and turn to the book of Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Amen. Second Timothy chapter four. I pray that today um, the last night at General Conference in Louisville, Kentucky, our General Superintendent David Bernard preached, and the topic of his message was expecting to receive, and he preached, and of course, he preached about when you expect to receive, that you'll obviously receive, and when he got done preaching, there was at least 213 miracles recorded. Over 213 miracles of people who expected to receive. And because they expected to receive, they received. That's all credit to God. Because God has certain principles that he operate by. And um, we can't make God operate how we want him to operate. He's not a wind-up doll that we wind up and um, and tell him what to do, and he does. That's not the kind of God we serve. If that's the way he was, Maddie, then he couldn't be God. Then we would be God because we would be controlling him. Do we understand that, that if we control God, then he's no longer God? <laughs> and so if, if, if that's the image that we have in our mind of God, that we can tell him what to do, then he's no longer God. You're God, and he's the puppet. Mm-hmm. But we know that's not the kind of God we serve. So the the most important thing about uh, what we need to do is to see how God does things and to deal with him on the premise, on on the principles that he has devised for us to deal with him on. So what he says, how he says we need to come to him, how he says we need to approach him, how he says he will do things, we have to learn those things so we can get what we need out of him. And when you go to God with expectation, that's you demonstrating your faith. And when you go expecting, it means you have faith and he will respond to faith. Second Timothy chapter 4, we're going to read verse 1 through 8. Uh, read a few portions of scriptures there. I feel like um, I would like for you to read along with me. Um, maybe um, we can do this together. So we're going to read Second Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. And how about we read together? Is that all right? Amen. Let's read. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We have read your word today. Now, Lord, that let the words go into our heart and into our mind. I pray now, Lord Jesus, that you'll allow us to be in touch with the presence of the Lord. Today, Lord Jesus, I pray that there will be a move of your spirit, Lord God. We're asking, Lord God. We're not commanding, Lord. We're not in position to command, but we are in position to ask as your children, Lord. Will you pour out of your spirit upon all flesh in this place, Lord? Lord God, will you heal and will you sustain and will you renew and will you exalt today, Lord God? I pray that you'll move mightily and powerfully upon the children of God today, Lord Jesus. I pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. I pray that change will take place deep down within us, Lord God. I pray that there will be an encounter today with us and you, Lord God. Oh, Father, we don't want to leave this place today, Lord Jesus without a touch from you, without a real true experience with you. I pray today, Lord God, that you will move upon us, shake us, stir us, Lord God. I pray the fear of God will come down upon us today and let the anointing of God flow freely. Allow us, Lord God, to... Come into the flow of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord God, for an obedient heart today, Lord Jesus, that we will obey and trust you. I pray that faith will grip us and that we will respond to your word in faith and not according to our intellect, but by faith, Lord God, that we will respond to you. Jesus, have your way today. We don't want to leave the same way today as we've done other times, but let us leave here today with a miracle. Let us leave here today with a turnaround. Let us leave here today with deliverance, true deliverance. Let us leave here today, Lord God, to say from this moment on, I will live right. I will walk right. I will talk right. I will let nothing come between me and my God. For God, I live and for God, I die. God is my source. He is my refuge and my strength. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. I wonder if somebody today will take this liberty that you have to worship God, to exalt the name of Jesus Christ, to give Him honor and to give Him praise. Oh, my soul shall make a boast in the Lord. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord.
You may be seated. We've entitled this message today, Your Course in Christ. Your Course in Christ. The Apostle Paul was in the final days of his life when he wrote Second Timothy. Here he was writing to tell Timothy, who was his son in the gospel. He said, Timothy, I charge you. He charged him, or in other words, he was testifying unto him about some things that he, Timothy, needed to do. Let me pause here and, and say this. The best advice you will probably ever get is from a person whose life is coming to an end. You can't get better advice than that because you see, when your life is coming to an end, you don't care about what anybody thinks. Um, in, in a lesser sense, hear me carefully, I'm going to try to take my time. In a lesser sense, this is why we always say an elderly person speaks their mind. Because guess what? They've seen it all. They've been around a long time. And what they're saying is, hey, I don't have a whole long way to go, so I'm just going to tell you straight. And so the Apostle Paul was telling his son in the Gospel, Timothy, straight. He was giving him the last and final words of what he thinks Timothy should do to live out his life in Christ. And so he charged him. He, he says, I testify unto you, uh, Timothy. It's like he's telling him, I know what work. I understand what will work. I'm not guessing. I'm telling you because I've lived it and I've experienced it. And now my time is at hand where I'm going to leave this world. But here is what I'm telling you, Timothy. If you listen to me, you will experience better than what I've experienced. But I'm telling you, Timothy, listen to me. And so that's what Paul was doing. He was telling Timothy about some experience that he's had along the way. I remember Jesus giving his final charge to the apostles before he ascended to heaven. Here again, final words of someone that's no longer going to be on the scene anymore. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 20. This is Jesus given. He can say it just like the Apostle Paul did. I charge you, disciples. He was giving them his last word. He was saying to them in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, this is Jesus talking to his apostles. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to Every creature. He's given them his last and final word again. What is the most important thing after you have lived all your life and you've discovered everything you can discover? The final words you will ever say to anyone must be the most impactful things you think you ever experienced. Must be the most impactful thing you think to share with someone that you think will make a difference in their life. So your final words will always be more impactful than anything else because you know what what you have experienced. And so here is Jesus uh, giving his final instructions before he ascended to heaven in Mark chapter 16 verse 15 and he said unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every 
preacher. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then all after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached. What did he start with? He started saying, preach the gospel to every creature. What did they do after he gave them instructions? And they went and they preached everywhere. He said to every creature, everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. If the Lord give you instructions and you follow those instructions, you will see results. If we don't see results, it might not be because we're following the Lord's instructions. But I've learned if I will find out what God is telling us, if I will learn to understand what God is saying and once I understand it I will go forth and do it I know and I expect that I will see the results God told us we would see and so for all of us here today you have to find out what is the Lord saying to you what is the Lord telling you because whatsoever he's telling you if you will do it God will show you results if we're not getting results it may just be we have not tapped into what God is saying I don't want to be one that keeps spinning my wheel and trying to do something of my own and seeing no results. I'm asking God today in the service, Jesus, what are you telling me? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, where do you want me to go? Jesus, what do you want me to say? Because that's the only way I will see results. Another man of God who was coming to the end of his life, he wrote this. Ecclesiastics 12, verse 8. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Oh my God, I'm sure if you check with somebody that's on their way out of this world, if they're getting ready to leave this place, and you check with them, they'll tell you all the things that you're chasing, all the things that you're after, all the things that you're talking about. When you come to the end of the road, when you come to that place of leaving this world, you're going to say the same thing as Solomon said. Oh, vanity. Oh, vanity. All is vanity. It means nothing. All that I've chased, all that I thought was worth something. All that thought was meaningful. At the end of the day, all of it doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, I'm just saying, what did it really mean anyway? As you get older, you start to realize that. You don't even have to get old. You start getting older, you realize priorities change. Things is not the same. You don't put things in the same category anymore. Solomon in chapter chapter 12, verse 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's the conclusion of the whole matter? The man that was leaving here. The man that was richer than any man that ever lived. Nobody was richer than Solomon and nobody will ever be richer than Solomon. Nobody had more women than Solomon and nobody will have more women than Solomon. Nobody will have better pedigree than Solomon and nobody will ever have it. 
Solomon came from King David. His daddy is the most renowned and revered man that ever walked this earth. He was richer than anybody else. And he had everything that he wanted. And he ended his life by saying, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. What do you have that you don't understand what that means? How how much do you have in your life while you now is thinking, well, that's for Solomon. What do you have going on better than Solomon? Who is traveling across the world to come see you? The Bible says this dude was so rich, he had ships. Carriage, ships, you name it. He ain't with gold silverware. You name it. And this is his last words. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Obey his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Last words. It is vitally, vitally important that we pay close attention to the final words of the men and women of God that has spoken last words after the life they have lived in this world. Can I say this to you? Every church service, not just church service in this church service, but church service across our world, every church service that is a Christ-centered church service, everything that, that transpires in that service is very important. So when there's a Christ-centered church service that's taking place, everything that is transpiring in that service is important. But there are two things that's more important than everything else in the church service. There are two things that are more important than everything else in the church service. The most important thing in the church service is the preaching of the Word of God. You make no mistake about it. The Bible says, for God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching might seem foolish to us, but it's the way God chose to save mankind. You see what Jesus said to his disciples, preach the gospel to every creature. huh? So we know preaching is important. It's the single most important thing that will be transpired, that will transpire in a church service. The second most important thing uh, that transpires in a church service is how we respond to the preaching of the word of God. You see, our response... Our response when to the preaching of the word of God is where we will get to experience the change that we've been asking God for. Our response to the preaching of the word of God is how we will begin to grow in the Lord. Our response to the preaching of the word of God is will bring about our deliverance. Our response to the preaching of the word of God will save us. Our response to the preaching of the word of God will cause miracles 
miracles to take place. And so the most important thing in a church service is the preaching of the Word of God. And the second most important thing is our response to the preaching of the Word of God. Whether you respond while the Word is being preached or you respond after it's being preached, our response to God's Word is the second most important thing that will happen in our life. Help us, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can't handle religion. I can't handle religion. I'm sorry. For all the people that are religious, God bless them. I can't handle religion. Religion means I just show up at a church service and I do the formalities. I can't do it. I can't do it. If you can, I hear you. I can't be religious. I need to experience God. I've got to, I get to the place where I say, God, I'm not experiencing you. And also I get to the place where I say, God, what is wrong with me? Why I can't get it together? Why I can't stop doing this? And why I can't stop doing that? And why am I not doing this and why am I not doing that God you got to do something to me God you got to move on me because I want to really get this thing together I want to get it right I want to experience the things I've read in your word I want to know you I'm not content Lord in just coming to a building on a Sunday morning and leave with an intellectual understanding I need the spirit and the word to work in my life. Oh my God. When we respond to the word of God after it's being preached, that shows us whether we believe what we've heard or we don't. It's time we get over ourselves and say, do I believe or I don't believe? Oh, God, help us. It's either I believe or I don't. And if I hear the word of God and I respond to the word of God, you know what it means? I'm letting the Lord know, God, I believe it. That's why I'm responding. Oh, God, I'm not worried about what anybody else think. I believe it. That's why I'm responding. Oh my God, help us today. We need to respond to God's word. Just take a moment and respond to the Lord right now. I'm telling you, today we need to break something. We need to break something within us. We need to break the tradition within us. We need to break whatever is hindering us and holding us back. We need to say, God, oh, I need you to help me today. We need to say, God, I'm not content. I'm not satisfied. God, I need you to shake some things in me and stir some things in me. Either I believe this thing or I don't, Lord Jesus. What do I say sometimes? I don't want to waste my time either. Either I'm going to be a sinner and enjoy sin or I'm going to live for God and do it right. I'm not straddling the fence and stay in the middle. That's misery. When you straddle the fence uh, and you're just in the middle, just okay, today I'm going to be good. Oh, but next week I'll be, that, that's misery. It makes you, it, it just, 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 just messes with you all the time when you stay in the middle. But listen, if you don't plan to go to heaven, just go enjoy your sinful life. But if you plan to go to heaven, you better stop straddling the fence. You better stop 
about being in the middle and saying today I'm Jesus, uh, tomorrow I'm me. Uh, you got to decide what you're going to do. Uh, are you going to live for Jesus uh, or are you going to live for yourself? Uh, but you can't stay in the middle. You can't straddle the fence uh, because it brings misery. It brings frustration. Uh, when you live your life like that, uh, you just decide what you're going to do. What are you going to take pleasure in? In Jesus or in yourself? Just decide what you're going to do. I'm telling you something that I know. It's best that we decide what we're going to do. Because most of us are living in the middle and we're not living on the side of the Lord. Yeah, we're not living like devils, but we're not living the word the Lord wants. So it means we're in the middle and we're getting frustrated. Oh God, and we're holding back from the Lord. You come to church, you hold back from God because as you're hearing the preaching of the word, you start to worry about it. You're starting to tell yourself and talk to yourself what you can do and what you can't do. And so because you don't know what you're, you're there thinking, okay, maybe I can do this, maybe I can't do that you're there trying to figure out what you can and can't do and while you're figuring out it makes you handicapped it makes you just just stagnated it keeps you from moving uh, because you don't know what you can uh, and can't do you're not you're trying to figure out what you should or shouldn't do uh, but if you would make up in your mind and just say god uh, i'm going all the way over on your side uh, i'm just going to let you worry about it uh, i'm just going to let you figure out what you're going to do in my life uh, but i can't keep worrying uh, about uh, what if and what if and what if no I'm going on the Lord's side and I'm going to give it all I've got. And when I get messed up for a second there, when I get down on one knees, I'm getting back up and I'm giving you all I've got. Every time I get down, I'm getting back up and I'm giving you all that I've got, God. It doesn't matter how much I mess. I'm going forward in Jesus' name. Some of us, we're worrying about our mess up so badly. We're worrying about how much we're going to mess up that it paralyzes us. And we don't worship God. And we don't praise God because we're paralyzed in what we got to do. Oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I'm not going to be paralyzed. You got to trust God. You got to trust God. You, you, you can't just, 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 just worry that uh, right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, I'm just going through something. Right now, things are just not a certain way for me. So, you know, this is why, oh God, help me. I feel it in my bones uh, that you have, you have put yourself in a place uh, where you're just holding on right now. You're saying, uh, I know everything you're saying, preacher, is right. But right now, it's just the thing. Uh, oh, but if you want to hear the voice of God telling you, uh, God is telling me to tell you, uh, it doesn't matter what time it is. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Uh, if you would just trust him uh, and do what he says, uh, if you would just obey him. His word. If you would do it right his way, he says, I'll bring you up out of situations. Your mind will be blown. The things I will do in your life, if you will trust me, you're sitting there thinking you've got the answers. You're sitting there thinking if you can just do this, and maybe it's only going to be for a couple of weeks, or maybe it's only going to be for a month, or maybe it's only going to be for a year. My situation is complicated, Lord, but God, will you just hold on for a second, and as soon as I get it together, I'll come and serve you and God is saying to you how do you know you got tomorrow how do you know you got next week how do you know you got two years from now I'm the one that had my hand on you I'm the one that is keeping you and you're telling me to hold on what if I don't hold on what's going to happen to you if I take my hand out of here what you think will happen I want to know do you want to walk with me or don't you
The Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the word. That's what I'm trying to do here today. God help me. I'm just trying to preach the word because I understand that when God chose to save his people, it's by the preaching of the word. I say, God, today, I just want to be free in the Holy Ghost and preach your word. If the word cuts me, let it cut me. If the word slice me, let it slice me. If the word move me, let it move me. If I just preach to myself today, God, I don't care, but I'm going to preach what you tell me to preach, because only preaching is going to save us, only preaching is going to deliver us, only preaching that's going to move us, and oh God, do what you want in this place today, Lord, do what you want, Lord, he told the, 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 the Timothy, preach the word, that is the number one charge Paul expressed to Timothy, preach the word. Every believer of Jesus Christ, not just Timothy, not just Paul, not just the pastor in the local church, but when you become a true believer of Jesus Christ, we're all required to preach the word. I may preach it excitingly, but you may preach it just a little bit more laid back than me. But nevertheless, the word is being preached. (laughs) Oh, God, help us today. And so God wants all of us that believe in him. I'm going to tell you this also, because I know I'm hearing from God today. I'm going to tell you this. Some of you don't want to preach the word because you don't want to be accountable for every single word. You're worrying about being accountable about the word. Because how we do, we, we, we obey some of the word, but we don't obey others of the word. And so if we have to preach it, we're going to find ourselves saying something that is true that we're not doing. But you better be alright with that. Guess what? It ain't your word that you're preaching. It's God's word that you're preaching. And when you got to preach the word and say something that you're not even doing, guess what? After you get done, you said, let me go do it. If I stand before you and I preach something to you and I'm not doing it, guess what? I better start doing it. So you can't take, you can't not preach the word because you're worrying about what you're doing and not doing. Preach God's word. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, preach God's word. The Bible says, faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You missed this completely. Two things. Praying out loud and preaching out loud strengthen your faith. <laughs> you miss those things. Oh, they pray so loud. Because I'm pray- I'm praying the word and I'm preaching the word, I get strengthened from it because I'm hearing it. Faith coming by hearing. Father, there is none like you. You are from everlasting to everlasting. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the King, eternal, immortal, the only wise God, the only true and living God. Heaven is your throne. Earth is your footstool. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is the lifter up of my head. He is my 
my kinsman redeemer. He is the forgiver of sins. When you begin to pray like that, you might not pray and ask for anything because at that point, you're so messed up that you can't even figure out what to ask. But if you will begin to pray according to the word of God, it will affirm your faith that God, He loves you and He will forgive you and He will heal you and He will deliver you. If you will pray the word of God, if you will pray the scriptures, God will begin to strengthen you. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not coincident that you hear me pray out loud. It's not me just trying to show off or to boast that I can pray. It has nothing to do with that. I'm praying out loud because when I'm down and out, when I pray the scriptures, I begin to encourage myself from praying the word of God. As I pray, I begin to get strengthened. And I tell the devil, the devil is a liar and the truth is not in him because I'm praying the word of God. This is why you pray out loud. I'm not telling you you don't pray quietly sometimes. Yes, that's fine. But sometimes, most of the times, you want to pray out loud because sometimes we're just so out of it. Sometimes we're just so, just, just, just so frustrated. Sometimes we just don't know what to say anymore. We don't know where to turn anymore. We don't feel like anything is moving. Anything is working. But if I would pray the word of God, it gives me comfort. If I would pray the word of God, it moves me. If I pray the word of God, it strengthens me. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He told Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. He went on to say, you need to preach that word anytime. There is no convenient time. We, we a lot of time want to think that, well, the time is just not right. There is no convenient time to preach the word. There is no right time to preach the word. The word need to be preached all the time. That's why he said preach the word in season, out of season. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter what's going on. The word of God needs to be preached because it's the only way we're going to be saved. He went on to explain to Timothy how to preach. He said to Timothy, as you preach, correct the people, rebuke the people, encourage the people. Now, let me break it down before you feel all upset and all, you know, that it don't sound right. He said, with great patience and with careful instructions is how you're going to correct. Uh-huh. With great patience and careful instructions. That's how you're going to correct. Let me slip this in. It's like we can't be frustrated with people if we're not teaching them. A lot of times we get frustrated and we didn't give any instructions. What are you getting frustrated for? Give instructions. Teach or preach. So they can understand. Because a lot of times people aren't doing what they're supposed to do because they just don't understand. And because we have a problem saying, I don't understand, we just keep going in misunderstanding. Or keep going in ignorance. Because we don't want to say we don't understand. So the preaching of the word needs to be instruction, careful instructions with patience. Because if we do it that way, then people will learn it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Timothy should, should, should preach the word to correct. 
Timothy should preach the word to correct errors. Sometimes people are living in error. And in order to help them not to live in error, you have to teach, explain to them carefully the truth in the word of God. Timothy should rebuke those who are living in sin, don't need to feel comfortable living in sin. If you're sinning and you feel comfortable, you're in a whole lot of trouble. Yes. If you're sinning and you're comfortable, you're in a whole lot of trouble. One of the reasons why sometimes people stay away from church, I said one of the reasons, I didn't say this is the only reason, but one of the big reasons why we stay away from church is because of sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you don't want to come and have to hear that what you're doing is wrong. None of us like to be told we're wrong. Even if it's not something really bad. You just don't like to be told you're wrong. And so we stay away from church sometimes when we feel like we're not doing right. Because we don't want to become uncomfortable with our sin. But I told you, I can't tell you any better. That don't let your flesh and don't let the devil get you all off track. In your sin, you tell yourself, that's when I can't miss church. When in your sin, in your wrong, I don't care what you did last night. I don't care how bad it was. Get yourself up Sunday morning and say, I'm going into the house of the Lord. You see, because if you stay home, you will never be uncomfortable in your sin and you'll keep doing it. I'm taking my time to instruct now. Yes. If you don't come to church... You stay comfortably in your sin and justified in your mind. Because the reason why you're sinning anyway is because you have a great justification of it. We all have a great explanation, a great excuse of why we do what we do. We just don't do stuff and be like, I don't know, I'm just doing it. No, that's not how we do. We do what we do because we have a great excuse for why we're doing it. Well, come to church and you'll see your excuse is meaningless. God will not accept your excuse. And so, because you know that sometimes, you stay away from the church. But how are you going to get out your sins? Don't come to church and tell me how you get out your sins. You you see? If you don't come to church, you can never get out your sin. You're going to stay comfortably in it. Okay, okay. Every once in a while you feel kind of bad, but if nobody, if you're not hearing it preach by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you're not hearing it preach with conviction, it's okay to keep going. Mhm. 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 That's why when I stand here before you and I preach to you, I'm preaching to myself. But I just don't stop there. I go to conferences and I go to other places that I can get preached to. Cuz I want somebody to tell me about my mess too. I'm not going to stand before you and act like I'm all together lovely. I'm going to stand before you. I'm going to preach what God put in my heart to preach. And I'm going to preach to myself and preach to you at the same time. But also I'm going to go someplace else to go get preaching into my soul. This is why I go to General Conference. This is why I go to Because of the Times. This is why I go to Winterfire. This is why I go to that conference and that conference. This is why I go to this meeting and that meeting. I want to get preached to as well. I'm not leaving myself out of this. I want to make sure I go to heaven. You think the Bible says, Paul says, I don't want to preach to you and I'd be a castaway. You think I want to preach good messages and get people to heaven and I go to hell? You must be out of your mind. Even you you know you know who I know went to heaven. My mother-in-law went to heaven. I guess I can say 
That's the first person I ministered to that received the gospel, gave her life to Christ, and she went to heaven. First person, because it was my first Bible study, I believe. So my mother-in-law in heaven. You think I'm not going to heaven? You think I'm going to let from way back then in the, what, what was that? In the 90s, I taught that Bible study. She in heaven, and I'm here preaching up a storm, and I don't make it. No, sir, buddy. I'll, 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 listen, I will see her when I get done in this, in this life. But we ought to correct errors. We ought to preach against sin. That's what, that's what Paul is telling Timothy, preach against sin. But he also said, encourage people that are doing good. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Got to encourage people that are doing good. Yes. He should encourage those that are growing. For even those growing in the faith needs patience and careful instruction and guidance. In that same scripture in Timothy 4, verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Hear me? I'm getting on to something that you need to pay attention to. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is Paul telling Timothy because Paul experienced it. So he's telling Timothy, yo, dude, keep preaching the word. The time is going to come where it seems like people are not obeying the word, where, where people are not responding to the word. He said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You know what it means? The time will come when people will no longer want to put up with sound doctrine. The time will come where people don't want to put up with sound doctrine. Listen to me more carefully. Paul is good. Just think, he wrote this a long time ago. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know what that means? The time's going to come where you don't want to stand up to sound doctrine, so you're going to find a preacher that preached stuff that make you feel good all the time. Yep. So, if we're following what I'm saying this morning, you want to find some place where you can stay sinning and never feel uncomfortable. Uh-huh. You want to stay in your ways and not feel uncomfortable. And so when you come to a church where the Spirit of God is convicting your heart, when you come to a church where you're hearing the word preach against what you're doing, I don't know about that church. Yeah. And so now you start to find somebody, a preacher, that when, you, when he preach or she preach, it just feels good. Oh, man. Like my man Joel. Now, I love me some Joel. But if you in Joel church and you sinning, you might not ever stop sinning. Because Joel only tell you about feeling good and how good things are and how God will bless you. And that's all true. But one thing I've learned, and I told you this a long time ago about preaching the gospel. You better preach both sides. You can't preach one side. And so some preachers, you go and all they ever tell you about is you going to hell. That's all they ever preach. They don't tell you about how to go to heaven. They just tell you, you wrong and you ain't right and you unrighteous and you ungodly. That's all they preaching. That's not right either. But then you got the ones over here. God loves you. And just have faith and God will bless you. And they go on and on. That's not it either. If we go read Jesus' word, Jesus called people stiff neck. Uh, you didn't know that, huh? Yeah, vipers. But then he also says, for God so loved the world. 
I'm just telling you, if you want truth and you want your life to really be transformed, then you will see both sides need to be preached. Not one side, not just you're going to hell or you're great. You got to hear both sides. That's how we're going to get on the right track. So the time will come where they will not stand up to sound doctrine. But they will heap to themselves preachers having itching ears. You're going to want to hear stuff that makes you feel good all the time. Not stuff that challenges you. Verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned and shall turn unto fables. You know what that means? Yes. Fairy tales. And so no longer you want to hear truth. You want me to tell you something funny about that? Only the truth shall make you free. So if you don't want to hear truth anymore, what does that mean? You're not free. Man, this word. This word is so, you can't get around this word. He says turn away from the truth. So it means that if you turn away from the truth, you can never be free. So wherever you go where you're hearing a preaching where it's just, you know, things that make you feel good and, 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 and fairy tales. If, you, if that's all you're hearing, it means you're bound and you're not free. You might not think so because you are liking what you're feeling. You're liking what you're hearing. So you're not going to think that you're not free. But according to the word, only the truth. So if you don't hear the truth preach, you will never be free. Verse 5, but watch thou in all things. This is Paul telling Timothy, with all that's going on, just pay attention. Endure affliction. You know what he's telling Timothy? People are going to give you a hard time for preaching the truth. People are going to talk about you for preaching the truth. People are going to say you're this and you're that for preaching the truth. But don't worry about it, Timothy. Just keep doing the work of an evangelist. What is that? Just keep preaching the gospel. Just keep on ministering the gospel. That's what he's telling him. Then he jumped down to the verse. Verse 7. I'm getting the closing time. He says to Timothy, Timothy, I have fought a good fight. This is very important to me to hear Paul tell Timothy this. I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. You know what's wrong? Why we can't uh, get over the hump? We don't want to fight. For some reason, Christianity is supposed to be easy and I shouldn't have to work too hard. God loves me and so he just makes everything work. He is my genie in the bottle. All I do is talk to him and he just make everything good. So, Fighting is not even something we're going to think about as Christians. Are you kidding me? I fight when I was little. I fight when I was in school. You want me to be a Christian and fight too? And the Lord dropped in my spirit. The Lord dropped this in my spirit. You fight to get a promotion. You fight to get that job. You fight to get into that really nice college, Rayon. 
and it's all good. Don't, don't, I'm not saying it derogatorily. Don't, don't get that confused. You fight to take care of your family. All of these things we're fighting to do. It wasn't easy getting your master's, but you pushed through. You persevered. It wasn't easy being a nurse, but you did what you had to do. It wasn't easy, mind you, mind, getting your master's, but you pushed through. None of those things are easy. Here is the scary thing, though, that I'm going to tell you. Because you fought to do those things, you can't stand before God and not fight for this gospel. You cannot stand before God and not be able to say, God, I fought the good fight. You can't be able to go before God and say, oh, Lord, it was just so hard. You know what God wants you to know? There is no greater reward than your reward of eternal life. The reward for your masters. The reward for finances. The reward for your education. The reward for a great job. The reward to see your family prosper. All of those things are great rewards. But there is no reward greater than eternal life. And if you fought for those things. What should you do to inherit eternal life? you got to fight for this thing. It's not going to be given to you. You're going to have to fight for this thing. The Lord really impressed this on my heart. He wanted me to let you know today uh, that you're going to have to fight. Uh, if the great apostle Paul had to fight, uh, you know, the, he, he was so close to God that God wrought miracles by him. Uh, God ain't doing a whole lot of miracles through a whole lot of us. Uh, but he did a whole lot through Paul. And Paul said, I had to fight. You would think Paul would just speak things into existence because he was the great apostle Paul. He had to fight. And so you got to understand, if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to fight. You, you can't live for God and just wake up and everything just work out. You can't live for God and just come to church and everything just work out. You can't just live for God and everything just work the way you need it to work. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. Fight. Somehow we want to think that it's just going to work. It's not just going to work. And somehow we believe because God loves us so much. He loved Paul. He loved the Apostle Paul just like he loved you. And he had to fight. Don't you think you're going to have to fight? The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. If the great Apostle Paul had to fight to make it to the end, you're going to have to fight. You can't sit still. You can't just be idle. You're going to have to fight in order to get to the end. Somebody sold us false, well, they sold us religion. And thinking, we're just going to read the word of God. We're just going to show up and let the preacher preach to us. We're going to say our nice prayers every once in a while. And we're going to treat people good. And we'll, we'll be fine. Somebody lied to you. Somebody made you think that that was, that was Christianity. That somebody made you think that's how you please God. That ain't how you please God. I'm just going to read my Bible. I'm going to say my nice prayers. I'm going to show up to church. And when I'm busy and I can't make it, God understands. That's what you think Christianity is. That's what you think God wants. And I'm here to tell you, God said you're going to have to fight. Holy Ghost. Ah. Fighting comes in. Let me give it to you clear. Help me. I, tell, I thank you, God. The, the, here is what fight means. Here's what fight means. I'm tired this morning. I don't feel like going to church today. 
I just, I just, I'm worn out. The kids don't wore you out. Your job don't wore you out. I just don't feel like it. If you don't go, you didn't fight. If you go, it meant you fought that fight. And that's what we need to bring into our own surrounding. What, what, how do we fight? We fight when we don't feel like doing something and we push through anyway and do it. That's fighting. That's fighting. Listen to me. If you just lay down and let somebody beat you up, you ain't fighting. You just got a butt whooping. But if somebody's trying to fight you and beat you up, you ain't going to lay there and just let them punch on you. You're not going to lay there and let them do whatever they want. You're going to fight back. And I'm telling you today, you got to fight in order to make heaven your home. I'm almost there. We got to fight. But we keep thinking that this is supposed to be easy. Better roses. I'm living for God. We treat living for God like God owes us something. Help us, Jesus. Yeah, God, I showed up at church today, so what you going to do? We, we treat God like God owe us something. You know, all God is saying is, listen, uh, I, I, I shed my blood. I gave my life for you. I don't owe you anything else. I gave everything I could have given for you. It's all on you now. It's like raising your kids, and they get old enough to move out and be on their own. You can't do nothing anymore. You have done all that you can do. And you can't control their life anymore. They're going to make their decisions as what they will do or not do. And sometimes it's going to really hurt your heart, some of the decisions they're going to make, because you're saying, I showed them better than that. I I taught them better than that. I sacrificed so much for them uh, to understand the right things. Uh, But guess what? They get old enough. It doesn't matter how much sacrifice. It doesn't matter how much you showed them to for you to be a good example to them. They still now make their own choice. And it's killing you because you're like, I didn't raise you like that. Uh-huh, but they're going to do whatever they want. Listen, you can raise children up in the same house and one become a murderer. And the rest of them is just great. And you're just beating yourself up saying, what in the world happened? We raised them the same way in the same house. Well, Guess what? I can give you a Bible. Don't beat yourself up. Jesus had 12 disciples. Oh, baby, I don't miss on the book. I don't miss on the book. Jesus had 12 disciples. He treated them all the same. And one became a liar, a betrayer, a deceiver. Don't you worry about it. You can't worry about what they become because you treated them right. You did right. You can't worry what they become. You just got to keep on doing what you got to do. And maybe one day they will come to themselves and say, you know what? Mama and daddy or auntie or whoever, you know what? They was always on the right course. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get myself back together because they have something to look at. And that's what Jesus keeps doing for us. I'm going to keep on being the Almighty so you can have something to look at. Because it is no reason why you should bear off course like that. It's no reason why you should be doing that because I've shown you love. I've, I died for you. I, I give my word to you. And you shouldn't be dealing like that. But you know what? I am going to just be God and be here and I'm going to still be reaching for you. We got to fight the good fight because Christ has done everything that he needed to do. Now it's up to you to fight the good fight of faith. All the excuses that you're making is not 
going well with the Lord. You might feel good coming up with your great excuse. You know what they say? An excuse only satisfies the person that made the excuse. Excuse don't satisfy nobody else. It only satisfies the one that's making the excuse. And so when you make your excuse to God, that's, that's for you. That's not for God. When you tell God why you couldn't, he says, that's for you, not for me. Because God says, I already told you in my word that you can do all things through Christ. God already told you in his word that when you're weak, then he is strong. I'm finishing. We have to fight the good fight of faith. Paul is talking about he had to deal with fear. You don't, you don't think the great apostle Paul had to deal with fear. Fear. Trying to live for God. There's fear that come over you sometimes. Huh. Some of you come to church and you're fearful to lift your hands and worship the Lord. You're fearful to let out your voice and praise the Lord. You're fearful to come to the altar. You're fearful all these things. A lot of things just wash over you and make you feel fearful. But if you would just step out one day on faith, if you would just step out there on God's word that says, I'm not going to worry about a thing. It doesn't matter what you think about me, but I know what I need in my life. And I need more of Jesus in my life than anything else. I need a closer relationship with Jesus more than anything else. And I'm not going to worry about what anybody might think of me. I'm just going to step out on faith. Paul said he had to deal with fear. He had to deal with flesh and blood because sometimes your flesh tell you to do something that you shouldn't. And so Paul had to deal with temptation. Paul had to deal with even the people in the church that didn't want the will of God to be done in his life. Remember when Paul first got saved, they said, you ain't no preacher. So Paul had to deal with church people. Everything that you had to deal with, Paul had to deal with. Why? Why? Why Why the great apostle Paul, everything he dealt with, you have to deal with it. Because we're all flesh and blood. Somehow we think we're different. Somehow we want to make ourselves different. Well, you don't understand. What do you mean? Am I like some kind of alien? Because that's the only reason I wouldn't understand. Because you're acting like what you're dealing with, I don't deal with something similar to it. We all deal with the same kind of things, just in a different way. But we're making it like, you wouldn't understand. Okay, okay. Your situation is just so different. You're not flesh, but I'm flesh, or vice versa. We, We deal with the same things Paul dealt with because Paul was a human, just like you're a human. So when the man said, I fought a good fight. He meant all the struggles you were facing, I faced all of them, but I fought. I didn't lay down. I didn't give in. I fought. And when I got hit and knocked down, I got back up. That's what fighting is all about. We're humans like Paul. And says, yeah, I fought a good fight. And here's where we finish at. He says, I have finished my course. Your course in Christ. And this is so profound. This is where the thought started with me. The Lord gave me this thought, and this is how this message came about today. Your course in Christ. And so the Lord just started working with me to let us all understand all of us have our very own course in Christ. See, that's, that, that's what we're not understanding All of us in here, every human that was born into this world, 
you have a course in Christ. It's up to you to decide if you're going to get on course, but you have one. It's up to you if you want to live your life according to the course of Christ or the course that you have in Christ or how you want to live. Uh huh. And so it's up to us today to decide if we're going to get on our course in Christ. For some of us, you, you may be on your course, but the devil is fighting you to get you off. <laughs> Understand some things about the devil. Anytime he tries to get in between you and church, he's trying to get you off your course. Anytime church become optional in your mind, he's getting you off your course. Because you can never know your course unless you're in the house of the Lord. So the more you miss church, the more you're off course. But the more you're in church, the more you're on course. So you, 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 you struggle with that, it means that you're struggling with the course that God has set for you. All of us have a course. There's a course God has for you, and we have to realize it. We have to realize the course that God has set before us. Listen to me. Our society encourages us to pursue our dreams or whatever feels good to us. And I'm going to encourage you too. However, today I'm telling you, you need to pursue your course in Christ. Holy Ghost just held me. Holy Ghost just, uh, I'm, I'm ready to be done. But the Holy Ghost just gave me something. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul's life, that dude was more educated than all the apostles put together. Because the apostles, they were fishermen, tax collectors. They had, you know, but Paul was a scholar. But hear this, before he got saved. So, the Lord wanted me to just share with you today that all that you try to accomplish is supposed to be used for the glory of God. Paul didn't know when he was studying at the feet of Gamaliel, when he was learning all of this stuff. He didn't know. He thought he was going to have it so he could persecute people who didn't believe what he believed. And then he got converted and became a child of the king. And he became the greatest of all the apostles. I know Peter was the one that preached the gospel of the church first, but Paul did more than any one of them. He came in last, and he did more than any one of them. And I believe it was powerful, Sister Arabia, because he had the background. So God wanted me to drop this little thought into your mind this morning. All that you will accomplish outside of Christ, it still has to do with what you will do in Christ. Jesus, you're good. It all has to do with him. It all has to do with your course in him. If you find yourself doing something that might seem like it's not in the vein of your faith, you better start asking God, how does this mesh 
with my course in you. And if you can't get that answer, you better pray and say, should I keep going? Now that's heavy, but I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost just told me. Because it's all supposed to come back to when you are in Christ on your course, how will you make the difference? And if that means that God wants you to be educated so you can help other educated people or you're going to teach in the kingdom of God, whatever it is, you better understand it. And realize he didn't allow that to go on. He didn't give you the, 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 the mind and all the stuff that you had to have in order to be successful. He didn't give you that for you to say, yeah, so I can have a successful life, have a nice big house, drive a nice car, look at what I got. That's not why he allowed you to go through it. He allowed you to go through it so you can utilize it. Paul stood before governors. Paul stood before kings. Paul stood before the most important people in life, and he spoke. As a matter of fact, Paul was able to speak eloquent when he needed to, and other times he was able to pull it back a little bit. He was so intelligent. He, he dealt with people on the level that they were on, but he was so, if you brought him before governors, he blew their minds. He spoke to King Agrippa. And King Agrippa, King Agrippa. So he's a king. And when Paul spoke to King Agrippa, Eric, King Agrippa said when Paul was done, man, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Now, if you can't speak intelligently and properly, the king would have just blew you off by the time you start talking. Ah, you ignorant. You're beneath me. Because you know how educated, smart people are. If you can't come up to their level, they're like, get out of here. They might not say it to your face, but they just give you the look like, are you talking to me? You know what I'm talking about. Come on now. Don't act like we're crazy. But Paul had King Agrippa riveted. And maybe the reason why he never got persuaded to be a Christian was he started thinking, what would my other king friends think about me? And so he never responded. I'm finished. We need to pursue our course in Christ. One other person that pursued their course and fulfilled it Acts chapter 13, verse 25. I'm finished here. Look at Acts 13, verse 25. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Who think ye that I am? I am he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Who is that? John the Baptist. His course was to introduce us to Jesus and to preach the gospel of repentance in order to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. That was his course. And he came and he fulfilled his course. See, I started out, and as John fulfilled his course. So you're telling me, preacher Paul had a course? John had a course? You had a course. Would, will, will we be able to say this about you when you die? And as Wayne fulfilled his course. Put your name, take out John out of there and put your name in there. And ask, have you or are you working to fulfill your course? Because at the end of the day, that's what we like to say nowadays, at the end of the day, 
is going to be our life, our course in Christ. The life that we live in Christ will be what matter. This course that we are supposed to be on, this course is our life journey in Christ. It's considered a race that you don't have to sprint, that you don't have to worry about winning. All you have to do is finish. Isn't that great about the Lord? He says, I'm not trying to figure out who wins. I just want you to finish your course. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. The only way he could have kept the faith is by finishing his course. If you will stand with me, and at the end of the scripture, he says, Henceforth, verse 8, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. If we will get on course, our course, not the course the preacher going to tell you about, not the course somebody else is telling you about, but the course that God has set for your life, the, set, the course that's been set before you, that's the course that you need to get on and you need to stay on. God has a course specifically for you. And I don't believe we have a lot of time to be playing around to saying, okay, you know, I'll figure it out. No, if you will pursue God right now, if you will pursue him and ask him for the course that he has set before you, then guess what? God will show it to you. And if you find yourself doing the same things that you've been doing, then you know you're still not on course. But if you will get on course and trust the Lord, listen. When you get on course that the Lord put you on, you don't have to worry about anything that you're going to need. God will supply all you need on that course. You know, some of us were worried about, let me do this, let me do that. There's scripture for that. You don't have to go do anything. When God said, come on, just go. He will take care of everything. He will take care of what you need to eat, what you need to drink, what you need to wear, everything. He'll take care of it if you get on the course. But if you stay doing what you're doing, then you're going to have to just keep on doing all you can. Hard work, working hard, trying to take care of your own self. I don't take care of myself. The Lord takes care of me. Uh-huh, about three of you said that. Because you don't know what to say about that. I know the Lord take care of me. How you know, This is how you know the Lord take care of you. I'll give you another example and I'm done. You know the Lord take care of you when, every, when most of what you do is fulfilling the course. That's how you know. That's how you know. Because, listen, when you're, when you're busy trying to fulfill it, busy fulfilling the course, there's a lot of things that's gonna, you're gonna drop the ball on. Uh huh. When you're busy fulfilling the course, according to our standards in life, there's some things we're gonna miss out on. But the Lord will make up the edges for you. The Lord will take care of those things that you, 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 you would have dropped the ball on likely because you're so focused. Uh-huh. So in your mind, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do that. And God is saying, just fulfill your course. And guess what he does? He starts making sure things are taken care of. Uh-huh. Get a little extra bonus in your, in your thing. And you're wondering, what happened? God is making sure because you're... Pursuing him, 
fulfilling your course. He's making sure you're okay. He's making sure things are good. Health and strength is good. Huh. I want you to take a few minutes. We're almost done here. Take the next five minutes and we're done. And just talk to the Lord about your course in him. Your course. Not nobody else's course. Your course in him. Let the Lord know you need to get on course. Or God, if I'm on course, show me how do I fulfill my course. We need to just take a few moments and respond to God's word now. You've heard his word. Whatever settled in your mind. How about you take this moment to respond to God's word for yourself. Four more minutes and we'll be out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word has gone forth. And oh God, we don't want to be out of your will. We don't want to be outside of our course. But we want to be on course. Whatever it is, Lord God, that you've called us to the kingdom to do. Will you open our eyes today to see? Will you begin to speak to us that we may understand our course that we must fulfill? Our course that we must finish? I pray in the name.